Hey y'all, it's Jason. Hope you're ready to enjoy part two of our conversation with Jonathan. This episode includes our top three stories of 2021. So from Osaka to Serena and Federer to Sinner and Short Shorts, take a listen to our top three stories uh, from 2021 as heard from each of us. Enjoy. Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast balls please we put our shit together so that we can entertain you <laughs> oops come back to life dick <laughs> you know where i'm going with this right i think i feel like it's another ass comment but jason jason just called you on your bluff and you you came back and you called us an albatross i don't know what that is do you know what this is it's called entertainment in all caps time ready as our guest why don't you give us your number three moment from 2020 uh you know mine was what we discussed already i would say like honestly the osaka you know resurgence in australia she seems to just be winning every other hardcourt major at this point Since 20, what is it now, 2018, she has won a hardcourt major title every year. 2018 through 21, we'll see what the US Open holds or the others this year. Um, But she now is even the top earner on and off court. That's no longer Serena. She has usurped Serena and Maria Sharapova, who, what was it, just March of last year that Sharapova retired about a year ago. And it feels, because everything feels like we're aging five times the normal rate, Feels like that was half a decade ago that Maria left the professional game. Absolutely. Um, so Osaka is my number three. You want to go next, Aldwin, or should I go? I, you know what, I no, you go because I okay, go go go. Okay, I'm my number three is the the ho hum return of Roger Federer. Um, <laughs> I think you know we we measured our expectations about what that was going to be like and we tried to explain to people that we appreciate what he's done and we are grateful what he's done for the sport but you know let's not take away from the attention from these other guys and it became a little bit of a dialogue between some of his fans and us Um, and I think you know people obviously wanted him to do better than he did and he looked a bit um, rusty for lack of a better term. And, and he probably made a good decision to skip Dubai and, and, and wait for the clay. I've talked, Alden and I talked on the show. We'll see what happens if he actually comes back to the clay or if he waits for the grass, but. Yeah, the, gra- the grass seems more likely. It just feels like he is going to be forced into grinding out so much on clay. And if he's not careful, that clay season could be potentially career ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's, the surface or way he wants to go out, certainly. I mean, don't we all want to go out like, you know, Pete Sampras or Flavia Panetta? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I am so excited to share my number three with you. I think it should be a number one, but I'm so excited I want to share it right now. Um, I want to talk about Serena. Now, I... I think I, along with many people, and you know, Jonathan, you can speak for yourself in a moment, didn't think it would be a difficulty for her to attain 24 two years ago. 
But as time passes, and particularly with the pandemic, and obviously with the um, the rising of Naomi Osaka, you know, I looked at this Australian Open, and I not only fell back in love with Serena, I frequently cite her semifinal comeback victory against Maria Sharapova at the Australian Open in 2005, I believe, mm. 2005. And I was like, that's the Serena I really just love. And, you know, she beat Sabalenka, she beat Halep. And I was like, this is it. This is her fairy tale 24. Like, no one can stop her. I didn't even think Osaka could stop her. But, you know, she came up against someone. And I hate saying this, but she came up against a younger Serena. Mm -hmm. And she kind of, you know, it was, it wasn't necessarily a close match. It was, I think, a break in each set. But my number three is, how likely is Serena to get to 24? Because all of these Serena fans worldwide are like, yeah, she's going to get to 24. She's going to tie Margaret Court. She's going to surpass her. But now that she's taken time off, you know, because of her dental surgery, what does the rest of 2021 have in store for her? I really want to know what you think. Um, first of all, I love her house. The architectural cover <laughs> story was fantastic. Uh, I want that karaoke room with the neon sign, the random guitars and vinyl players sitting in places, you know. <laughs> I'm sure I could get that curated as well if I had, you know, <laughs> Monet. But um, Millions of dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Serena, you're right, ran up to sort of a younger version of herself in Australia. You're right. It was 6-3, It was nothing to scoff at. It looked like a break in both sets. Mm-hmm. Serena, though, is in a place where I agree with you. The COVID pandemic did not serve her well because during that time, she's probably not going to learn new tricks at that point as someone above 35, above, you know, heading toward 40 at that juncture. Whereas everybody is catching up from a training standpoint, improving their shots on both sides, their serve, their return, just everything. The game has caught up to Serena and Venus in ways that they were so far ahead for so long, Mm -hmm. like so far ahead for nearly a decade and a half of so many Mm -hmm. other players. And now when either of them, um, you know, takes a loss, there starts to look like a dent in the armor to others. And they say, oh, I want that as well. I want to try to, you know, pretend I can feast on Serena's serve, or I want to take a victory over William's sister. And so that gets really tough. It's really interesting, though, that, again, they continue to compete like they do. Um, I thought the U.S. Open was the prime opportunity for Serena to win again. And in a place like New York, she needs a good, yay, great story again. She has owned it so much in Australia. It would really be masterful if she owned something in New York one more time. But speaking about 23 to 24, and others have said it, And I just nodded my head along as I read this from John Wertheim the other day in his Sports Illustrated mailbag. Serena has done more to benefit and put in marquee lights, the Margaret Court 24 record than anyone. She and her camp have talked about it way too much. And it's not really even the mark to hit. We don't talk about the pre-open era men's majors that those guys won and how some of them have elevated you know, bloated numbers because of that. We don't talk about the guys who are up there. We talk about Margaret Court for some reason, though, being at 24, when the truth is it's not. She won, I think, what, 
11 Australian Open titles <laughs> at a time when so many players were not going down under and it was just far different situationally. So mm-hmm. it's not the mark to hit and everybody, including that, you know, goat in that camp should have downplayed that two or three years ago. I, you know, honestly, I agree with you. I'm just going to take a little bit of a personal perspective here. I mean, obviously, Margaret Court has come under fire for her stance on gay rights and and whatnot. And as a gay individual, I I don't think that there would be a better storyline than Serena tying that 24. It seems to me like the stars are going to align just like they aligned for Steffi at the 99 French Open. My wish, honestly, is that she puts it all together in a masterful US Open 2021 and then just says goodbye. I will like weep for weeks if that happens. I mean, it can happen, you know, if you just beat the seven people in front of you on any given two weeks, it can happen. Um, It just, the stars have to align. Some people have to fall early or not show up to that event in the first place. We'll see how it plays out, but I would like to think there will be one more, but I will not consider it a tie of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Since 2017, I would say winning in Australia, then I think she's had the greatest of all time mantle and winning major singles titles doesn't feel like the barometer of who was the best ever or you know it's it's one of many records i think her fitness in in australia surprised people so she does have a little bit of that in her favor if she's able to keep it up and you know what other player is still making finals and semifinals of majors so she definitely has a shot yeah i mean let's see if osaka Muguruza. Andrescu, any of these are still playing such tennis in their late 30s. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Absolutely right. Won't be. She's injured every third week. <laughs> What's your number two? Okay, so that was a seamless segue, Jason. Um, <laughs> the return of the Queen Bee, Bianca Andrescu, was my number two story. Um, I do have an ATP story for number one. Um, <laughs> I will give that equal play. Um, you know, so only because we have equal pay in tennis at the majors now, uh, <laughs> which some other sports need to learn from. Um, basketball at the collegiate and professional level needs to learn to give equal airplay or pay if it's pro to these um, sports in the men's and women's side. Um, just because I'm in Indianapolis, really quickly, this is a total sidebar, forgive me, but just the fact that I'm in Indianapolis and all of the NCAA men's basketball tournament is being played in Indiana, in central Indiana this year because of the COVID pandemic. And the fact that they can use March Madness, but the NCAA women's tournament can't use the branding March Madness is so obscene on so many levels to me. I just can't with it. Back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) And the NCAA are headquartered here in Indianapolis. So that's just another factor. But Bianca's return and just the inevitable slaying of all sorts of players. And I forgot, honestly, until she came back here in Miami, I like, I forgot about that variety that she <laughs> And I love it so much. I remember her being a setup, what was it? Like um, up a set and 5-2 on Serena at the 2019 US Open. Serena roars back to five all. And I'm like, Serena's coming back and winning this match. She's crazy. Yeah. And Bianca shut the door on the next two games and won that title. Um, Again, Serena's complicated relationship 
with New York and how it goes and how it just turns on her so swiftly, both the atmosphere or what's happening between the lines of the court. But Bianca in this tournament was so great until it was so just disheartening to see that it had to end like that. Um, there is part of me, I will say, that wishes she'd stood there for eight more points and completed what was a 6-3-4-0 retired scoreline in the final. But nobody knows her body and her situation more than herself. And so I feel like we cannot tweak that any more than her already tweaked frame was mm -hmm. she was dealing with in that moment. So, you know, it's it looks like a bit of an optics issue, but those three setters ahead of that, it was sadly a story of what is, you know, if or when is her body going to break down in this tournament? It ultimately did, but look at all the hard yards she put in getting to that final. But then Barty just has history and feel in Miami like Bianca does in Indian Wells. It's just, we're not getting IW this year. Yeah. Um, which is why, again, so many players, especially male but female too, didn't play Miami because there was no Indian Wells in the vicinity of as well. We got this sunshine single for the first time. <laughs> um, but Bianca's return was so heartening. I think we have to take heart in that and not just what happened at the tail end of the final. It's great to have her back in the mix because she brings such a mix of shots every time. Mm, amazing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, her... The match, you liked the, the Mugu match, I think, the best with her. I thought the Soribes-Tormo match was, like, <laughs> incredible. And, you know, she had just finished playing two other Canadians in the last two weeks. And just to see, you know, a player like her who has similar variety gets every ball back and Bianca's trying to be aggressive and pick her spots. And that match lasted almost three hours. It was amazing. I mean, we saw against Shay in Australia, Bianca going up against someone with similar variety or even different mm. capital Q quirks. She's not struggling with that like some of the others, Naomi for a bit to a degree does against Shay and Muguruza obviously has in the past. Bianca seems to have that kind of figured out and can dish it back. The others don't really have that plan B or C to go to. Just like how, you know, all roads with me lead back to Salas, as you know. Like <laughs> Monica, had, Monica had one way of playing and there was not a plan B, but plan A was so mighty effective. <laughs> Uh, I love that you're a Monica fan. She will always live in my heart forever. Do you, I don't know whether you know this, but on our podcast, you know, we posted when we did our Monica episode last summer, up until recently, that stagnant post of Monica at the Canadian Open, which was formerly called the Du Maurier Open in 1994, got the most likes. There is a legion of fans that are still so active and in such support of her. She's just beloved around the world. I mean, she came back and won the Canadian Open um, and then won that ninth major title. And nine is my favorite number. I was born on nine nine. Um, <laughs> I just, obviously that was just a, a beautiful, she didn't obviously quit playing at that point. She was still around through what, 2004? Mm -hmm. um, playing and didn't officially retire for four more years, I think. Yeah. Um, but it was just really exciting to see that. And that was a beautiful win, a pretty important title, and then win a major again, return. And who knows, among such the top fleet of players, male or female, like who knows who else would have even been able to do that or step foot on the court again. Yeah. Jay, do you want to give your number two or shall I go? 
Uh, well, mine was a bit of a segue a minute ago, but Mugu is my number two. <laughs> I, <laughs> I run into some good players like Bianca and Osaka in AO. She would have taken potentially those titles uh, she won in Dubai. So she's my number two because she has sort of returned, I think, to this solid play that we um, were getting used to when she won FO, FO in 2016 and when she won Wimbledon in 2017. So it's nice to see some consistency back. Um, and her IG is bueno. Yeah, it's so great. Like her dancing on stories, even in the last 24 hours, which I guess is no longer available because stories and, you know, her fashion sense and the things she, that designers are sending to her. Like I, her IG, like tennis and non-tennis is so great. You're right. But she, Dubai, like you said, Jason, amazing. Again, some players who are really good, like at least Mertens has really upped the ante and is not yes. anybody off the court, but I've really grown to love how she plays. And then yes. she played Sabalenka as well, who has been fire since the fall and New York and so on. But then also I want to give a shout out to, because now she's the two-time Australian Open mixed doubles finalist um, with Rajiv Ram, my um, hometown Indianapolis friend, and all roads lead back to Indiana or to Monica Sellis with me, but <laughs> Barbara Krejcikova, was so good in Dubai and is really showing herself to be a singles player on par with her doubles excellence. Yeah. Krejcikova, Krejcikova has had like, I think she has like, um, this is her year to kind of break through, you know, yeah. I really, I really love her game. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what she has in store. Yeah. But like everybody in Dubai, she lost to Garbina. Um, <laughs> Jason's point into his number two pick, but if, Muguruza would just grow that consistency. She would be wildly good and even more wildly famous than she is as well, because she's <laughs> one who I think could, in Sharapovian fashion, really break through to the general interest or general sports sphere of not just excellence, but fame, because she is so fashionable. Um, she's beautiful. She's got a great personality. She could really yeah. pierce that pop culture zeitgeist kind of thing and it would be lovely to see it's one Absolutely. of the that we talk a lot about in, in terms of our critique of the wta is the lack of personalities Ooh. So i agree <laughs> well just those who are going to tune in to you know or who's even going to get a vogue 72 questions shoot or who is going yes. to make for this major magazine cover or that red carpet invite or the met ball things like that. Like when the Williams sisters and Sharapova are gone, there's just a dearth or of outsized superstardom on the WTA side. You know, somebody will fill that void. Osaka seems the likeliest to fulfill that. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is a perfect segue to my number two. And it, it takes a little break from uh, players on the court. But I don't know if you remember, Jonathan, a couple of years ago at the CGO, <laughs> you and I had both lost. Mm -hmm. And we were watching matches in the little, um, I don't know what you would call, but it's like an elevated area where you could overlook all of the courts. The viewing deck. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, um, you took my like beautiful green 
uh, sunglasses and I took a picture of you and I posted it on my IG and I said, Jonathan Scott giving complete Oracine Price vibes. <laughs> and Oracine Price has been to me personally just an icon of tennis player mothers for the past, what are we now, 23, 25 years, something like that. So I just want to know what you think about, you know, we talk about the new mantle of ATP players that are going to take over the top three, Maria Andreescu, because there's a lot of Canadian players that are just like, oh my God, are you not seeing this like iconic, like, you know, her Chanel sunglasses, her little dog, like what's your take on Maria? Yeah, first of all, I admire her on the level that you got that dog trained to sit like that because none of my three <laughs> would. I'm currently hoping you don't hear them barking in the backyard here at my home. Um, but the fact <laughs> is, yes, she's already iconic. She's seen a decent amount of tennis. She's seen nowhere near the amount of tennis that Orsina has seen over time. <laughs> you know, just having one daughter who's that successful and then having two who are so <laughs> successful. What shot or outcome or mid-match hijinks has she not seen by now? That's true. Um, everything from true. Serena getting great, you know, grazing a player's arm at the French Open with a, a ball at the net and having that little run in as well, like I'll see you in the locker room style. Um, <laughs> and and so on. It's she's seen it all. And Maria will hopefully see it all. Hopefully we'll get a lot of Bianca ball, a lot yes. of Bianca big babe tennis in coming times, but Maria is iconic, like the designer <laughs> looks, the designer looking dog. Yeah. Um, ad hashtag adopt, don't shop. Um, <laughs> the, just you're transfixed outside of the lines of the court. And so more sports parents like that, because she also seems to one, generally enjo enjoy the attention and yes. really puts her daughter first and lets her pursue what she wants to do. It doesn't feel like Bianca is supposed to do this in a way that she doesn't want to. She wants that sporting glory. And so it just feels like they have a really great relationship. Bianca has a great team. You want to see more Maria in that player box. Yeah. Just a, sorry, just a quick question about Oracine. I don't know whether you've had this experience before as well, but like whenever, like over the past 25 odd years of watching Venus and Serena, there have been so many shots going back to Oracine after pivotal points during matches. And I've, I've always found Oracine to be very even keeled. Even when their, their opponents have hit incredible shots, She's never like, you know, cursing the sky and being like, oh, you know, my daughters are the best. She seems so just kind of even Steven. And, and that kind of surprised me. Did it ever surprise you? Or like, what, what do you think about that? I think they have, it's a really great observation, first of all. And I think they've gotten a lot of their fire from Richard, from their father. But Orsine definitely has a fire as well. But I think because they have, in their careers, gotten successful so quickly, you know, really bursting on the scene as of the 1997 USO final Venus against Hingis and then Serena besting Hingis in the 99 US Open final before Venus who is presumed to win one first the major first had won it but she lost to Hingis in the semi and then Hingis maybe a bit tired got taken out by Serena in the final but then they both had so much success after that 2000, 2001 being Venus's years so much, Wimbledon and US Open both of those two years. Um, 
it was just a case where they'd won so much that Orsine could get a lot more relaxed if she wasn't already, to the point mm. that not just begrudgingly regarding the winners or the championships that some players would win over her daughters, but actively clapping for their good shots. Yes. Mid-match. And that's just great to see. That is just a sporting nature. Uh, yes. Just love seeing that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All Have a drink. drink. I think we're on to your number <laughs> two, finally. Or did we get to that? My number two? Yeah. My number two was Oracine, like Oracine and Maria. So yeah, we covered it. The well, tennis moms. I mean, we would want to see that, right? It's better than teen mom on MTV or dance mom. <laughs> tennis moms, especially over the generations, could be fantastic. Yes. Well, we should save our guest his his number one for last. So why don't you go and then I'll go and then we'll we'll save Jonathan for the end. Okay, I am gonna do a little quick change, um, no pun intended, but my original number one is going to be Naomi and her dominance on hard courts. I think we belabor that subject, you know, Jonathan <laughs> and you and I have talked about that ad nauseum, which is great <laughs> because, you know, that's, you know, definitely a topic that a lot of people have on their lips. But my number one is a little bit more kind of tongue in cheeky as well. Um, we had on the GLTA message board a couple of people, girl, you know about you know about the GLTA message board, don't you? Oh yes. <laughs> oh friend. Oh yes. <laughs> so a couple of our, you know, a couple of the members had mentioned specifically about Chilich. You know, one member mentioned, is Chilich working out his legs or are the shorts getting a little shorter? And, you know, I know that you are a huge fan of fashion and it seems based on my observations that a lot of the tennis kits that are coming out, particularly New Balance, I mean, Jason and I have talked about Raonic's legs um, and Fila, that the short lengths are kind of getting a little bit shorter. Have you noticed that at all? Like what's your take on like kind of the tennis fashion of 2021? Uh, love that this is your number one, first of all. <laughs> appreciate that you have, you know, showed your variety in this top three as well. Um, yeah, the hemlines are getting shorter and I appreciate it. I mean, nothing is ever going to be the 1970s and 80s shorts, which now to us look like exceptionally short boxer shorts that would be <laughs> yeah. an undergarment. But um, speaking to the fashion thing, like, yeah, like, Right now, even I'm wearing my Adidas Masoni collaboration shorts. Um, and I love fashion, first of all, but it is getting so good. Even I think brands like New Balance are doing a great job. I think the color palettes, the colorways that they're putting Milos in are exceptional. I think his stuff looks really clean and stylish in a classic way. And I appreciate that. I am a big fan of the 1970s. I like a 70s vibe. If I, it's, the era that I think I was supposed to be from, but I also don't know that I would have survived it. Um, <laughs> I probably would have because I would have just smart sense about all those things. The uh, Fila kits though, these collections for some time have been so like classic to the point of just overt throwback, really into it um, with just the panels they've been putting together and the ways they've been composing the kits. So it's really exciting. Besides the obvious bigger, you know, even bigger brands, I'm really excited about that. But short shorts are always going to be a good thing. I had not noticed that about Marin Cilic. <laughs> it's only got to be good for movement as well. There were some times in tennis even 
where short, shorts were so baggy to the point of, again, even thinking back to 2003, 2004, Rafa, how are you playing in those pantalones? And how is that actually successful when it is going over your patella? When it's going over your kneecap? I'm, I would say I'm so sad for you in retrospect, but the fact was he started gobbling up clay court titles. So obviously nothing was wrong, but why would you ever want your kneecap competing with your shorts? <laughs> he was playing in culottes. <laughs> yes. What's been interesting about, they're not only short shorts, there's been like a return to white shorts. And when these guys sweat, you can basically see everything that they're wearing underneath them white shorts. You know, there's been, I remember just even from the, what was the RCA championships in Indianapolis, this heralded tournament that used to be co-ed, used to have players from men's and women's tours, um, but the U.S. Clay Court Championships used to be there. And then it was a men's only event after a point, um, after 70s, 80s, 90s um, on, on both sides. But there was a lot of that going on, being someone who volunteered at that tournament. It's surprising the return to white shorts, I think. I mean, sponsors or the creators of these kits have to be thinking this through. And just how is this going to be on video not just that though, but like, is this going to photograph well? And it's kind of a strange thing. I'm puzzled by how many people opt for white shorts because they are breathable. Um, uh, you know, even with the skirting for Adidas, they've been doing so many perforated skirts mm -hmm. um, so much that look like there've been just three hole punches all over them. But then on the men's side, like why would you go for white shorts that are very thin and then like darker undergarments from there I don't know that it makes sense unless you're just wanting that to be a side story. <laughs> you know, Alduin appreciates his boyfriend Sitsi in those white shorts in Acapulco. I mean, I tell him all the time. I said, I, I tell, I tell Stephanos, I'm like, you know, you, you know that you're with me, so you have. Why are you wearing white shorts? Like you're <laughs> taken. <laughs> um, speaking of shorts and nice legs, my number one is a crop of, of these younger players. And, you know, I think the story of Aslan Kratsov is, is one that we can't ignore. Uh, oh. Someone who played, when the tour returned, played a lot of um, challenger events to get his feet wet, obviously played um, the qualifying for the AO and then suddenly made the semifinal. But the way he has sort of backed that up with continued solid play and his win in Dubai, he is my number one. Yeah, and winning a doubles title as well recently. Like he's showing how versatile and rounded he is and how much he cares about the game. I mean, somebody who for over these past weeks and months has gone from what, around 350 in the world to being seated for the totality of 2021 and probably beyond. Amazing story of that Aslan. And, you know, he wasn't one of the top five to eight Russians in the tennis conversation, obviously. And now it's like people are talking about him, Rublev and Medvedev. Mm -hmm. um, so kudos to him. I mean, that was a classic and others have spoken to this as well, a classic case of the so-called journeyman. And that's a terrible, thing to call somebody they they you know they've been on this journey and they've always been in like an also ran or something i wrote a piece a while back about just needing to retire permanently the word journeyman like mm. that's not gonna play well it's disrespectful so on and so forth but he like others have said john wertheim and others uh, a fellow hoosier a fellow indiana 
um, <laughs> person. Um, it really is his story today, but it's great to see somebody rise up like that at age 27. Yeah. 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 It's never, it's never too late, man. It's never too late. It's not too late. I mean, it gives great just courage to the rest of us 27 year olds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, okay. This is, I think a really great segue. I know I mentioned my number one, but I do have to ask this about you because I can sense, and I think I know this about you already, that you are a huge Venus fan where I, 2017 was a dream, a, an absolute dream for Venus, oh. Venus Williams fans. You know, she started off her 2020 campaign beating Vika in, I forget what tournament, it was like a US tournament. It was that um, that new event in Kentucky, yeah. the yeah. Open, and I think it was a three and two victory. Yes, and I said, could this be the sign of a Venus Williams 2017 year. And I saw, we all saw her new service motion. We all saw her new forehand. She's obviously trying to, you know, um, introduce new things to her game to yes. continue her longevity. What, oh my, when she lost to Arani at the Australian Open, it was heartbreaking. Where do you think she is in her kind of tennis journey? <laughs> And you just mentioned, like, we should stop saying journey. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a journey, though. I mean, she's obviously not a journey man, woman person. But mm -hmm. um, she apparently sometimes just really has Azarenka's number. <laughs> yeah. Serena has, obviously, as well. It still remains rather lopsided in their head-to-head. Vika -head. just at the U.S. Open beat her in a major for the first time. Mm -hmm. And if she was ever going to do it, that was probably Serena's most vulnerable time to do it. Um, so she's glad to get that, you know, figurative plume in her cap. But for Venus herself, I mean, too, like Djokovic, who is obviously about, what, five years younger than Venus, for Venus to abbreviate or change her service motion like she did at that stage of her career, and that and the forehand in recent times have been the tougher shots for her or the ones that have broken down under duress and so on. Mm -hmm. But just a fantastic job that she did like such and she also changed her coaching situation during she that day she'd worked with david forever and now she's working with eric and having all the same fun on her instagram stories that she always has she's lighthearted about it she's starting new brands and partnerships that she wants to with her i think happy viking um brand and other things that she's doing other interests she has but she's not bored with tennis yet and she wants to keep going. Who else would have seen through to completion that match against Irani in a yes. major? It wasn't that she needed the screen time. It wasn't that she needed the satisfaction of completing it, but she just has that mindset that I'm going to see this through to completion, no matter how bad it looks, no matter that the tennis is unpretty, I'll have a good shot here or there, but who else would have, suffered that bagel breadstick against Sarah Rani, who also is on the backside. She herself is on the backside of great things in her career. Mm -hmm. um, that just spoke volumes about Venus's character. So for the future, who knows? In 2017, Venus that year went on more runs than Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a sight to behold time and again Ardent fans of Venus wished that she had won at least one of those majors that she competed in so bravely mm -hmm. and so just 
it was a masterful year for her. It was an inspired year, mm -hmm. you know, but I don't know what the future holds, but same thing could somehow by the grace of the great algorithm in the sky or the tennis gods, could something break over seven matches and Venus wins a major title? Potentially, it seems unlikely. It's starting to seem unlikely for Serena, for folks as well. But I feel like you never say never in a sport where it's literally like win this and then this and this over seven things. Yeah. Seven stanzas. Yeah. Anything could happen. Absolutely. I think the question is, will turn that to the men's side, like pros and cons that since the return of tennis months ago, like that event where she beat Vika in the fall and so on, like Venus, Serena, Roger, I've seen pros and cons of plenty. Do you guys think that Roger has another major in his future? Ooh, Ooh good question. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> what do you think? Um, I, I believe we talked about this in our episode where we were talking about Roger and uh, I don't believe that he does. Uh, I don't think to your point, I don't think he, you know, after I see, saw him in Doha, I would say definitely not. Um, he looked a little sort of, his movement was off and, you know, he's well known for sort of floating on the courts. He wasn't really floating um, yeah. in Doha. Gliding without perspiring. Yeah. <laughs> and did he, you know, the grass court season seems the opportunity for him there. Like, did he play Doha for the appearance fee? <laughs> that's possible yeah 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 i i i think the reason why jason and our pod and my podcast works so well is because we have varying different opinions on many things and this is where i differ on jason i am a true romantic i am a believer in the as you as i as you as you so eloquently put it the algorithm out there or you know the tennis gods you know when i watched the 1999 french open final the tennis gods could not have written a per more perfect ending for Steffi Graf. You know, she maybe could have won the 99 Wimbledon final, but that was Davenport's to win. And I believe that for these legends, Serena Williams, Roger Federer, it would be, it has to be written somewhere in the stars of the universe that those seven matches that they play in whatever, for me, I think it's gonna be Roger's last Wimbledon, for Serena, it's going to be her last U.S. Open. I think there could be no closure to the tennis ether than for either of them to win those slams and then just call it just a nice bookend yeah. to a beautiful career. <laughs> I mean, they put, you know, two dozen bookends in the front end, so they just deserve something. <laughs> at, at the back end of that, like, is it the twilight for them both or them all? We'll see. Tennis is so favorable and unfavorable at the same time. Like, oh, just it gives and takes away, truly. It's yes, why, absolutely. Why we continue to come back and we want more. <laughs> right. Well, we right. have to bookend our episode by giving you the number one. Okay, so I know he's not the, you know, most fresh winner of a championship. He's the finalist in Miami, but Yannick Sinner. Again, 19, I just think this guy is going to be not the it kid, but is really just going to have literally the legs to potentially be playing this sport to twice his current age, like 38 or something with multiple majors. I just think he's got all the shots. 
some of the shots he hits just leave me gobsmacked, leave me dumbfounded of just what he's able to execute from a pure like cross court top spin forehand with pace that even his opponent like Bautista Gu in the Miami semifinals playing back highlights of that even yesterday uh, I was doing that and just his opponent also looked dumbfounded so really surprising um, you know he's going to be seated for the foreseeable future as well like we talked about earlier with Karatsev number 31 I think going into Miami or something like that but going to be seated and just is showing all the marks of somebody who's going to be in it to win it for quite some time. I'm really excited to watch him um, continue to just play out the career that he has. Um, so that honestly is my number one. Italy is really, I think, looking for a major champion again. I'm beginning yeah. to think it's not going to be Berrettini. Um, maybe something will break for him one time, like we've talked about a few times here on the pod. Um, but I think Sinner could be the one who wins multiples. He Berrettini's too busy with Tomjanovic. <laughs> and you know what? A lovely, gorgeous couple. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But her game has really shot up in the last few years as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Maybe, who knows? I don't know that we're going to get another, like, breakup turned engagement. <laughs> but that was but... so weird. That was so weird. You... You know, my, my thought today when I saw the Insta story come through was that if Svitolina had won her semi, that Gael would have been there at the final and proposed to her on camera. Oh. Do, yes. Obviously, that would have been like the natural kind of thing, right? But, you know, obviously she lost in the semi, so he took her on a road trip and yada, yada, yada. So it's a nice story. That was a blinged up left arm she had going <laughs> <laughs> among the bracelets the watch that i needed to put shades on to look at and, <laughs> and that ring i mean kudos to them yeah i'm pretty sure that's how it would have played out as well if she'd made the final and won um they obviously don't hate attention or eyeballs and engagement on the socials so <laughs> that would have been definitely a moment of the year or the decade already though yeah, yeah. they are fun their ig is fun for sure for sure. And, you know, it's good for them. They, they Jay, got- do we have time for one more question? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's we've only been talking for almost an hour and 20 minutes, but let's give <laughs> No, the, it's so good. Honestly, like, I, lo- I love just picking Jonathan's brain. <laughs> we, we could not finish this show without a, a serious conversation about two up-and-coming female American players. Forgive me, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Pagula? Pegula? Oh, just uh, just Pegula, Jessica. Yeah. Just Pegula. Just call her Jen- JPEG. JPEG. <laughs> I want you when you when you sent that to us, JPEG. Like she's got to be known as JPEG, and of course Jen Brady, the Australian Open finalist, um, uh, and the U.S. Open semifinalist. I think semifinalist. Those ladies had the best semis of the tournament. They're the those matches were the best of that tournament. You know, Jay and I, very quickly, and I'm going to just set it up, Jay and I joke about the fact that Karolina Pliskova does not want to see JPEG's name anymore in a draw, because up until this last tournament, she's barely won any games. Like, what do you, what, how do I ask this question? They are up and coming. What do you see for them in their future? 
you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, Pegola and Brady, two distinctly different ways of playing. So it's going to be interesting for a number of years. Um, I had the privilege of a few years ago when she played Rajiv Brahm's exhibition event, um, meeting Jennifer Brady and seeing how she was just out of playing college tennis in California um, and just not yet media trained in the classic way and honestly a rather shy one. But look at her now. She's really come alive in these last two major events. She's a delight to watch. She's got a big game. She's yeah. ferocious on the court. And I'd love to see her like matching up so many times in the future against the likes of Sabalenka and others who have similar fire because that's the kind of WTA play that I love. Yes. When it's really just a quarterfinal dramatica at the U.S. Open on court seven. It may not, well, it probably will be one on Arthur Ashe in the future, but it's the kind of thing that would have in the past played out on the side court, but I love that fire. She's got so many weapons. Pegola does not have those weapons so much. Pegola is one who's gonna track down all the shots and make you hit another one or hit two more. And you are going to have to just hit her off the court, I think largely because she's got legs for days. She can go forever. Um, she ran out of a bit of steam in Australia, but also she's playing her friend. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. That is awkward for anybody. It was obviously awkward for siblings who have played each other. We've talked about at great length on this episode. Um, but I think they both have such promising futures. They both could be major champions. I think Brady has a better chance to be a major champ in singles or repeatedly a major champ. Um, it'll be interesting, but kudos to somebody like Pegola who may develop some increased just shot skills and really just develop her weapons as well in coming time. But she got a great code up, a great coach, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out, but it is exciting between the two of them. We'll, we'll see what we get in coming years, but with there being, like we said, so much parody on the WTA side, who's to say both couldn't be at least major semifinalists, if not finalists, if not champs, later this year or next yeah look at kenning look at kenning look you know? at her <laughs> <laughs> that is a just surge that nobody saw coming yeah absolutely not yeah I but i mean understand the no look serve <laughs> it feels as janky as anything and i've got the jankiest serve but i don't understand <laughs> how she looks up at the last moment and then has such an effective serve yeah. i know it's all that muscle memory i guess yeah, she's got something to figure out right now, too. It'll be interesting to see how her 2021 plays out. Yes, yeah, there's so many players on the women's side that we didn't even talk about. Like, I don't think any of us mentioned Halep's name once. So there's a lot, there's always a lot of potential for who's going to come through and who's going to win. And the fact that Brady followed up a semifinal with a final is pretty impressive, especially because there's really been no other American women, you know, besides sort of Kenan and, you know, the Williams sisters. Right. And just, I think Brady is that next American woman, most likely to win a major. Mm -hmm. um, quite obviously Osaka plays for Japan. Um, Kenan already has one, but it seems to be some sort of faltering recently or lack of confidence, mm -hmm. maybe, um, some distractions as well. She changed management companies. Um, Who made her cry? 
Yeah, things seem to just be <laughs> up in the air a bit more for her right now. So it's interesting. I mean, her loss in um, at the French Open to Schweitzek, um last year, one, that was just a masterful performance by the Titleist in that event. And I love watching highlights of Schweitzek's entire tournament in mm -hmm. Paris there. But there's a lot to figure out for um, the others. I'd say Brady's the next likely to win a major. Did she go from the semis in New York to the final in Melbourne, like you said? Yes. Is it likely that she turns into the next step champion at the next major? No, because it's on clay in Paris. But I think that, and perhaps not Wimbledon either, because that is such an acquired feel, but could she potentially be the U.S. Open champion? Why not? Yeah. That forehand is huge. And the spin, the work on that as well, just the the rapidity, the rapidity, the mm -hmm. rapid spin she applies. Let me recast that sentence. Um, <laughs> on that forehand is just wild. Jason, I think that we need to invite Jonathan on a quarterly basis. Like we could talk to him for literally hours. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you, Jonathan. You were I you were incredible. I could talk to you for hours. We'll probably continue this after. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the party, there's the after party. We'll have to have, you know, the uh, the untucked. <laughs> <laughs> the untucked in white shorts version. Yeah, just yeah. Our, our drag race untucked. You know, you're only getting half the story after party. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.